Many are questioning the role of the United States in the end time now that Joe Biden is president. Prophecies foretell the U.S. will stand with Israel regardless of who resides in the White House. And Bible prophecies always come to pass. We'll analyze the U.S. role in the end time on today's edition of End of the Age. Six hundred and fifty years before John wrote the book of Revelation, the prophet Daniel was given a vision of four beasts that represented kingdoms or nations that would exist at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ. The four beasts described back in Daniel 7 verses 4 through 7 and the modern nations that they symbolize are a lion with eagle's wings symbolizing Great Britain and the United States, a bear symbolizing Russia, a four-headed leopard symbolizing Germany, and a ten-horned beast depicting the reborn Holy Roman Empire or the current European Union. In Revelation, John uses these same symbols of nations to describe the end-time world government. In John's account, the four separate nations of Daniel 7 have now federalized into one large global governing body. Revelation 13, 1 through 2, John said, And I stood upon the sand of the sea. I saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns. And upon his horns, or symbolizing the European Union, were ten crowns. And upon his heads, the name of blasphemy. And this beast, which I saw, was like unto a leopard. It had the body of the leopard, Germany. Its feet were as the feet of the bear, Russia. Mouth as the mouth of the lion, Great Britain. And the dragon, or Satan, gave it its power, seat, and its great authority. Now, this is a a 2,000-year-old prophecy of the world government, the end-time world government, that is currently being established. But you say, well, what about the eagle's wings? Well, the United States is missing. The eagle's wings, symbolic of the United States in Daniel 7, you don't have to question, well, let me see, is the United States in the Bible? It absolutely is mentioned in the Bible. The eagle's wings in Daniel 7, symbolic of the United States, they're not mentioned in that combo beast in Revelation 13. That indicates that the United States will not be included in that world governing body of the end time. The prophecy also indicates the world dominance of the United States over the uh, United Nations and and the New World Order will have shifted from the U.S. to the powers of Europe. Now, 
Over the years, this has left us with a few questions. Since we are presently the leader of the world government and have been since uh, 1945 when the United Nations was established, how would the, such a power shift occur from the United States over to the European Union? Will the United States uh, be wiped out in World War III? Uh, will, you know, would we be brought to our knees and become a, a non-factor on the world stage? But on the other hand, will we perhaps go into isolation and be a, a bastion of freedom and a place of safety for others in the world that are looking for a place to go? Well, there is a scripture that helps answer these questions. Jump back one chapter, Revelation chapter 12. It's the only other place that eagle's wings are mentioned in the prophecies of the end time. Revelation 12 verse 13 says that the dragon will persecute a woman with 12 stars around her head. Well, of course, the woman is Israel in chapter 12 and the 12 stars symbolize the 12 tribes of Israel. According to Revelation 13, the dragon or Satan will use the Antichrist and his world-governing system to do the persecuting. It says, the, it says that the beast uh, was given power to uh, war against the saints. So John tells us in the next verse, Revelation twelve fourteen, that Israel will be protected during the Great Tribulation, which will occur during that final three and one-half years, immediately preceding the second coming of Jesus Christ. Revelation twelve fourteen says, And to the woman, which again is Israel, were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place, which is modern day Israel, where she is nourished for a time, times, and half a time from the face of the serpent. So a clear understanding of Revelation 12 and Revelation 13, have allowed us to be absolutely sure of two things. Number one, the United States will stand with Israel and protect Israel from the world government in the end time. And number two, the United States will not be part of the world government and therefore will not, we will not come under the full reign of the Antichrist. And I want you to know, this is very important, the U.S. has already been protecting Israel from the world government for decades, which is very good news for you and I, because the Bible says that I will bless them that bless you, Israel, and I will bless them that curse you. And we are Israel's greatest ally on the planet. No other nations, many times... When a United Nations Security Council resolution is put forth, many times it's the United States alone. Most of the time, it's the United States alone that has used our UN Security Council veto power to protect Israel. Whether it's a Democratic administration or a Republican administration, we've still, for the last close to 50 years used our U.N. Security Council veto power to protect Israel. And do you think God's not watching that? He absolutely is. And it's a direct fulfillment 
of Revelation 12, 14. She's, she's carried away on the wings of a great eagle where she's nourished in her place for time, times, and half a time. Now, Al Jazeera, the news source, they published an article, and I want you to hear this. This is very, very important because it pertains to you and I today. And they published an article, and the title of the article is A History of the United States Blocking UN Resolutions Against Israel. Again, the Bible says, I will bless them that bless thee, and I will curse them that curses thee. I'm very thankful to be living in the nation that protects Israel against the world government. Does the book of Revelation frighten you? Do its symbols confuse you? For centuries, the book of Revelation has been misunderstood and misinterpreted. In Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ, volume one. Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. This 10-part definitive DVD series and 268-page comprehensive commentary book covers the first 12 chapters of the book of Revelation, featuring on-location photography, classic artwork, and symbolic illustrations. You'll walk away with complete understanding and peace about the events happening during the final years on Earth. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding as you dig into the original intent of the book, answering the mysterious prophecies and symbols of the book of Revelation. Don't miss this special offer. Call now, 1-800-END-TIME, or go to endtime.com to order. Call or go online now to get this comprehensive Bible study. We've seen Bible prophecy fulfilled like never before. From the halls of the United Nations to the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, End Time Ministries continues to reveal the Bible prophecy in the news headlines around the world every day. Whether it's through our broadcast or online at our Jerusalem Prophecy College, your gifts enable us to put vital materials in the hands of those who need it most. Because of you, we continue to replace fear with faith. In the hearts of Christians around the world, we will continue to see prophecy come to pass at an even swifter pace. We need your support. Your donation of any amount enables us to continue to broadcast and be a voice in the ever-growing censored media. To become a partner or give a one-time gift, visit endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME right now. That's 800-363-8463. Go online now. Visit endtime.com. I have just a quick announcement. Uh, This coming Saturday night and Sunday morning, I'll be down in Houston at Christ Church, 12815 Fuqua Street. That's F-U-Q-U-A Street in Houston, And the Saturday night, 6 to 8 p.m., I'll be teaching the future according to Bible prophecy, the giant timeline uh, that we came up. And uh, I'll be on Sunday morning, May 23rd, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And I'll actually be preaching in that service. And it's uh, Pentecost Sunday. And if you've never, if you don't understand uh, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, if you've never been... um, some, some people have a lot of questions about it. I'll be teaching on receiving the, the Holy Ghost on Sunday morning. And what happens when you receive the Holy Ghost. And 
you know, speaking in tongues. We'll be talking on all of that. And so if you'd like to join us down there at the church Saturday evening, Sunday morning, it's going to be a great time. I look forward to seeing you down there and all the information's on our website, www.endtime.com. God bless and be safe traveling down there. So Al Jazeera, they published an article, A History of the U.S. Blocking U.N. Resolutions Against Israel. This is great news for you and I living here in the United States. The United States has vetoed dozens of United Nations Security Council resolutions critical of Israel, including at least 53 times we've used that veto power to protect Israel since 1972, according to UN data. Now, again, that's during a Democratic administration and a Republican administration's We've still used that U.N. Security Council veto to protect Israel. With the recent escalation of violence between the Israelis and the Palestinians, uh, now in its 10th day, the United States has stuck to that playbook. On Monday, Washington blocked a joint statement calling for an immediate ceasefire between Israel and Hamas. And it's the U.S.'s third veto reportedly within a week under the President Biden administration. The United States' unequivocal support of Israel has seen it thwart resolutions condemning violence against protesters, illegal Israeli settlements in the occupied West Bank built in 1967. I should say since 1967. And it even calls for a... Uh, or even calls for an investigation into the 1990 killing of seven Palestinian workers by a former Israeli soldier. We vetoed these things. Critics say that Washington's blanket support of Israel encourages a, a disproportionate use of force against Palestinians, including Israel's current bombardment of the besieged Gaza Strip, which has killed at least 219 Palestinians, including um several other civilians. So here is a list of some of the major vetoes cast by the United States over the years. And I thought this was very important for me to go over with you today because many people are wondering, well, oh no, uh, Joe Biden's got in the, in the White House and um, he's pushing us back into the world government so all is lost. Well, I can tell you folks, The Bible prophesies that the United States will stand with Israel all the way to the end. God knows what he's doing. God gave us the Bible. He's the one that prophesied these things. The Bible says he knows the end from the beginning. He knows how all this is going to play out. And he said, hey, in the end time, the eagle will be protecting Israel. And we're doing that even during the Biden administration. And so God's will will be done. God's prophecies will come to pass. You don't have to worry about that. We've just got to make sure that we're ready. We're teaching and preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God around the world. And we're doing God's will as ambassadors of Jesus Christ in the earth in the end time. And then we're just watching these prophecies come to pass, right? And we're instructing others. So if you, you remember the, um, the great march of return, the Palestinians in Gaza began protesting at the Israeli border fence in March back in 2018 called for the right of return to their ancestral homes from which their families were expelled in 1948 during what 
Palestinians called Nakba or the creation of the state of Israel. Even though it was, has been Israel's land for thousands of years, this is kind of the, uh, the spin going on, the propaganda um, in the world. So the United Nations ex- estimates that 750,000 Palestinians were expelled that year. Well, the Palestinians faced sniper fire from Israeli forces during the years-long protests, which killed 266 people and injured roughly 30,000 more, according to Gaza's health ministry. Well, on June 1, 2018, which, of course, you understand all the wars and things that were being brought against Israel, a lot of times they don't bring those up. But on June 1, 2018, the UN Security Council drafted a resolution expressing grave concern at the escalation of violence and tensions since the protests began and deep alarm at the loss of civilian lives and the high number of casualties among Palestinian civilians, particularly in the Gaza Strip. You understand the United Nations is totally anti-Semitic. So they try to make it sound as bad as they can against Israel, okay? So including casualties among, they say, children caused by the Israeli forces. Well, the U.S. vetoed the resolution with then-Ambassador, U.S. Ambassador to the U.N., Nikki Haley, saying that it presented a grossly one-sided view of what has taken place in Gaza in recent weeks. Nikki Haley blamed Hamas for the violence, which is what's happening right now in Israel. If Hamas would stop bombing Israel, everything would stop, right? Because Israel's just defending herself. And we protected Israel with a UN Security Council, our UN Security Council, veto power. Then the U.S. recognition of Jerusalem as Israel's capital. East Jerusalem is meant to be the capital of a future Palestinian state, some say, as outlined in international agreements. But the area has been occupied by Israel since 1967, and it's disputed territory. They, they, that's their property, you understand. When Israeli forces defeated forces from Jordan, which controlled East Jerusalem and the West Bank at the time, Egypt, Syria, and allied Palestinians, to, and to go in and um, take control of uh, that land. So the status of occupied East Jerusalem was meant to be determined through peace negotiations. Now, this is all through the, inter- the eyes of the international community. International law, including UN uh, Security Council resolutions, state that East Jerusalem is not to be considered Israeli territory. That's international law. But former President Donald Trump recognized Jerusalem as Israel's capital in December of 2017, which is scriptural. God gave that land to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and that lineage forever. So regardless of what the international community says, that's Israel's land, everybody. So the United Nations, a draft resolution from December 18, 2017, wrote that any decisions and actions which purport to have altered the character, status, or demographic composition of the holy city of Jerusalem have no legal effect. They're null and void and must be rescinded in compliance with relevant resolutions of the Security Council. Well, in vetoing the resolution, Nikki Haley said that the U.S. had the courage and honesty to recognize a fundamental reality. 
This is biblical, folks. Jerusalem has been the political, cultural, and spiritual homeland of the Jewish people for thousands of years. Not the last couple hundred years or since 1967, but for thousands of years. This is their homeland given to them by Almighty God. How You can't refute that. It's historical. Look throughout history. There are Islamic Muslim books that are that talk about a temple standing up on the Temple Mount and their Israel's ties to Jerusalem. Well, then there was demanding then end to the Israeli-Palestinian violence during the Second Intifada. The Second Intifada, or the Palestinian uprising, ignited back in September of 2000, when then Israeli opposition leader. Um, Ariel Sharon, accompanied by heavily armed forces, entered the Temple Mount compound in East Jerusalem. And the provocative act sparked long-simmering frustrations over the failed promises of the Oslo Accords supposedly to end Israel's occupation of the Palestinian lands. Now again, this is through the eyes of the international community. The Oslo Accords were signed by the Palestinian uh, Liberation Organization leader Yasser Arafat and Israeli Prime Minister Yitzhak Rabin in 1993. But Israel continued into uh, living there into 2000, obviously, with Israel settlements increasing and Palestinian sovereignty nowhere in sight. So and now, again, I'm going through an article here. Not necessarily my opinion, a lot of them in the eyes of the propaganda that's being spun and in the eyes of the international community. But in contrast to the first intifada in the late 80s, in the early 90s, that was largely peaceful. The second intifada was very violent, with Palestinian armed groups attacking Israel forces and a sharp increase in suicide attacks against Israeli civilian centers. So the death toll stood at over... 3,000 Palestinians and close to 1,000 Israelis, along with 45 foreigners, according to a BBC tally. So, of course, the UN thinks, well, hey, we've got to step in and handle the solution, handle the situation. So, a draft UN Security Council resolution from December 2001 expressed grave concern at the continuation of the tragic and violent events that have taken place since September of 2000 condemned attacks against civilians and called for peace talks to resume. Well, when vetoing that resolution, then U.S. Ambassador to the U.N., John Negroponte, he said the draft resolution before us fails to address the dynamic at work in the region. Instead, its purpose is to isolate politically one of the parties, of course, Israel. Well, then we had the settlement expansion. The U.S. has vetoed at least four U.N. Security Council resolutions condemning Israel's settlements on Palestinian land, which are considered illegal under international law. And again, I said under under international law. They're not illegal, just in the eyes of the international community. There are between, um, I think there's close to 800,000 Israeli settlers in at least 250 settlements uh, 130 official, 120 unofficial in the West Bank and East Jerusalem. And these settlements have exploded under the uh, rule of Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, 
who began his current term back in 2005. And they have long been considered by some a major roadblock to achieving a Palestinian state. Um, U.S. vetoes of resolutions condemning Israel's settlements date back to 1983. And the most recent one in 2011 when a draft resolution aimed to reaffirm all Israeli settlement activities in the quote-unquote occupied Palestinian territory, including East Jerusalem, are illegal and constitute a major obstacle to the achievement of resolution on the basis of a two-state solution. That's resolution 2334. Well, then, U.S. Ambassador to the U.N. Susan Rice said that Washington agreed that settlement activity is illegal. That is actually... Under the the Trump administration, not so. But, she said, we think that it unwise for the council to attempt to resolve the core issue that divided Israelis and Palestinians. And therefore, regrettably, she says, we have opposed this draft resolution. The thing I want you to notice here is that uh, Susan Rice, uh, President Obama, President um, Biden... They were all one-worlders, globalists, believe in a one-world government. But yet they still protected Israel, even though they said, well, in the eyes of Washington, it's illegal. But the thing is, is that God said, hey, the United States is going to protect Israel, regardless of who's in the White House. These people don't have a choice. And this is what's going to happen in the near future. The Bible prophesies it. So I don't have to sit back and wonder... Well, I wonder if the United States will protect Israel. I, I, I don't have a, 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 I don't lose a wink of sleep over that. Because the Bible says that's what's going to happen, and the prophecies always come to pass. I think even if the, if the um, a, a presidential candidate got in the, the White House that wanted to go against Israel, I think because of the prophecies, God wouldn't let that happen. So we'll have to see how everything plays out. Because if they were to do that, the Bible says, I will bless them that bless you and I will curse them that curse you. It wouldn't look too hot for that president. So Susan Rice served under, obviously, former President Barack Obama, who caused diplomatic controversy in 2016, months before he left office, to be succeeded by President Trump when he instructed the U.S. to abstain from vetoing a similar U.N. Security Council resolution against settlement activity. That was resolution 2334. Well, U.S. President Joe Biden, who served as Obama's vice president, is known for his support of Israel, but he's facing pressure from progressive Democrats and others to take a greater role in supporting Palestinian rights. But Joe Biden publicly voiced support for a ceasefire on Monday and It's a demand posed in a letter signed by 25 Democratic lawmakers. But we'll have to see how all this plays out. It's very important in the grand scheme of things. Major internet companies are silencing and censoring Christian voices online. These companies are trying to control what you see and hear. Almost 200 videos of ours have been marked as restricted online right now. That's why we launched End of the Age Plus, a platform where the truth won't be censored a platform where we can preach the message of the gospel. When you subscribe to End of the Age Plus today for just $12.99 a month, you can watch all of our content in a secure, easy-to-view way from your favorite device. 
When you go to watch.endtime.com and subscribe, you'll get instant access to all of our teaching resources, including Revelation, the Unveiling of Jesus Christ, Understanding the End Time, End Time Magazine, and so much more. We will not censor our message to comply with what the world deems as politically correct. Go to watch.endtime.com right now or search End of the Age Plus in the App Store or Google Play. Move Mountains with Irvin Baxter. This book by Irvin's grandson provides 30 days of devotion that will enhance your relationship with God and others. Authentic illustrations from early morning devotions at end time will help you find your purpose and eliminate fears. Commit to taking this 30-day journey and experience real life change. Get your book for only $14.99. Call 1-800-363-8463 or go to endtime.com slash move. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. So... President Biden did, he publicly voiced support for a ceasefire on Monday, a demand posed in a letter that was signed by 25 Democratic lawmakers, but he also stuck to Washington's long-established policy of failing to acknowledge the deeply asymptomatic nature of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict by expressing his unwavering support for Israel and its right to defend itself. Now, The Hill actually published an article that said the Biden administration has approved a $735 million um, worth of precision-guided missiles to be sold to Israel. So a majority of the possible um, sale of the Boeing-made joint direct attack munitions equipment is that it can make unguided bombs dropped from aircraft into guided missiles. $735 million worth. The the current Israeli-Palestinian conflict is now in its second week. And the Biden administration, meanwhile, has maintained that Israel has the right to defend itself against Hamas and has made no indication that it would curtail or place stipulations on the $3.8 billion, with a B, in military aid that the United States government gives to Israel annually. So you can see that even though at times whoever's in the White House has had a uh, maybe an international world governing globalist view of Israel, even though that was in their opinion, haven't really gotten along with President Netanyahu or, other, or Prime Minister Netanyahu or, or others, they still have used the UN Security Council veto at least 53 times since 1972, to protect Israel against the world government. The Bible says this is exactly what will happen in the very near future, all the way to the end, uh, up to the Battle of Armageddon, during that last final three and one half years, that the United States will protect Israel against the UN Security Council and the world government. And so you can see what's kind of playing out here. This is a 2,000-year-old prophecy there was there wasn't a nation, the modern nation of the United States, wasn't even thought of when John wrote this. 
or that the eagle's wings in the end would protect Israel for a final three and one half year period against a world government, which wasn't even on the scene, the current world government on the scene at the time John wrote this on the Isle of Patmos. So you can see this is miraculous. This is prophecy coming to pass right before our very eyes. And you don't have to ask yourself, well, I know, man, President Trump was doing so much good for Israel and the Abraham Accords and all these different things. Now you've got Joe Biden that has come in and, and we're, you know, we've taken several steps back and we're going back into world government. Even though he may put us back into world government somewhat, you can still see he's using our UN Security Council to protect Israel in the eyes of the international community. Could that go south next week? Yeah, it could. But you say, well, that's going to determine how the prophecies play out. Nope. The, the prophecies will come to pass just like the Bible says they will. And that's what's been happening in the United States, whether it's a Democratic president or a Republican president, since 1972. Now, you say, well, what's next? Well, you understand, because everybody's wondering, with what's going on in the Middle East and with all of the... I, I know that there are... I've listened to... Somebody sent me a video of a guy that talks about prophecy... Um, that said possibly the Battle of Armageddon is coming, the, the nations are coming from the east, they're going to cross the Euphrates River, things like that. Okay, that's at the Battle of Armageddon. There is another war, the Six Trumpet War, the Bible says will emanate from the Euphrates River region, but those are two separate wars. So we've got to make sure we get them right when we're talking about Bible prophecy. So I wanted to talk to you about, hey, what happens next according to Bible prophecy? Because, you know, is Israel going to be wiped off the map? Da, da, da. Well, of course, we know that that's not the case. But the Bible says that there's going to be a Middle East peace treaty that marks the beginning of the final seven years. This is what we're watching for. This and the Sixth Trumpet War. Daniel 9.27 prophesies the Antichrist will confirm a covenant with many for a final seven-year period. And it, that's, this accord's going to be the confirmation of God's covenant with Abraham that Israel would always have a homeland in the promised land, Genesis 15, 18. You can, you can try to twist this and turn it and push propaganda and do whatever you want, but God miraculously brought Israel back into their homeland and it's never going to be taken from them from here on. Yes, the, the battle of Armageddon will rage and come down them and even capture half of the city of Jerusalem. But Israel proper is never going to be taken from the people of Israel ever again. The fulfillments of this prophecy, this peace agreement, are going to be the signing of a peace agreement between Israel and the Palestinians. And the agreement has to do several things. I'll give you three of them. You say, how are you going to know that it's the peace agreement? It's got to establish a Palestinian state in Judea, the modern-day West Bank. It's going to allow the Jews, the Jewish settlers presently living in Judea to remain in their homes, living as a Jewish minority in that new Palestinian state. And it's going to place the Temple Mount under an internationally supervised sharing arrangement, allowing both Jews and Muslims to worship there. So when you see this prophesied peace agreement then you could know assuredly that the final seven years to the battle of Armageddon and the second coming of Jesus Christ has begun. You say, well, I, I don't see how there could be a peace agreement with the current situation going on where Hamas is lobbing rockets into Israel and things like that. It doesn't look like it now, but I'm telling you from the prophecies of the Bible, that's what's going to happen. There's going to be a peace agreement 
in the near future. Regardless of the situation, what's going on in the news, there's going to be a two-state solution created in the very near future. The Bible prophesies it, so that's what we got to go with. Then, of course, I've got to bring up the Six Trumpet War. At this juncture, I have to note that there's a war coming that will emanate out of the Middle East region, and it's going to result in the killing of one-third of the world's population. It's called the Sixth Trumpet War because it occurs at the sounding of the Sixth Trumpet in the book of Revelation, uh, Revelation 9, 13 through 18. And this war is going to take place just before or shortly after this coming peace agreement. The Bible tells us that um, it has to take place at the latest before the final three and one half years begins of that final seven years. And many believe that it could be happening. We could already be in the war. It just hasn't escalated to the point where there's going to be mass casualties. But it could really happen at any time. So in the aftermath of this six trumpet war, in which 2.5 billion people will have died... There's going to be a cry for global or a global organization that can prevent war, and that's going to be deafening. I mean, the international community is going to adopt a, a world-governing entity to eliminate the possibility of a global war ever taking place again. The nations of the world will surrender their sovereignty to that new world government so that they can eliminate war completely. At least they think they're going to. I mean, that's what the United Nations was supposed to be able to do back in 1945. But look at all the wars that have taken place since then. There's been continual war since 1945, pretty much somewhere on the planet. So this world government's going to be the culmination of, of years of planning that have already been in progress. I mean, we're watching this happening right now. For several years, it had been generally believed that there would be two major causes for war on earth. Conflicts between nations, conflicts between religions. So what's the solution? Well, it's simple in the minds of these globalists. We've got to do away with nation states, force everyone on earth to pledge allegiance to a one world governing body, a political authority. And number two, we've got to abolish the doctrinal differences that are dividing, that are between all the religious organizations, and we've got to coerce religious leaders to sign declarations of unity with a single, all-inclusive religious authority, a world religion. You're seeing that happening right now on a consistent basis. It's been happening for decades now. People are all joining together in this big world religious system. That's all by grand design, folks. The Bible predicts that these two entities will be governed by a duo of the most deceitful demonic humans that have ever lived. To, to begin with, a leader is going to arise from Europe. This is Daniel 7, 8, that will have aided in the negotiations of that peace agreement. And he, he, I'm, I'm saying the prophesied peace agreement now. And if they get a peace agreement signed in the Middle East that doesn't have those characteristics, it's not the one. He's going to be a great orator, uh, an administrator, he's going to, but he's going to have an ulterior motive. And it's going to be a, a wolf in sheep's clothing. And he's going to eventually seize the reins of influence and be the most powerful politician in Europe. And from that power base, he's going to maneuver himself into, a, into control of the emerging one world government. 
Well, at the beginning of his administration, he's going to, this ascending world leader, he's going to be viewed by many as the, the great next peacemaker. He finally got peace in the Middle East. And it's going to be a false peace, but it's going to last for a short period of time. But to those who know their Bibles, he's going to shortly be recognized as the Antichrist. Simultaneously with the emergence of the prophesied world government, it's going to be the birth of a global religious system. And you can even see it, interfaithism. It's already being called. It's going to be a union of Catholicism, Protestantism, and, and all the other religions of the world under the leadership of a future pope. And this religious union is going to be founded on the beliefs that Jews, Muslims, Christians all worship the same God, but they just call him different names. Well, interfaithism is going to attempt to embrace all religions of the world, regardless of how many gods you believe, what you worship, what book you adhere to, religious book. Just it doesn't matter. Come one, come all, be a part, right? It's all about tolerance. Even though the Bible says there's only one way to be saved, Jesus Christ said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. But other people would say, eh, that's a, that's a, a doctrinal difference. And let's just kind of not talk about that. A lot of times in these interfaith meetings, they don't talk a lot about Jesus, if you notice. And that's, that's by grand design. Because they don't want somebody to appear as a uh, Christian fundamentalist or a um, somebody who just says, I know the way to heaven because of the Bible. They don't want that. They never talk about that kind of stuff. It's all about, let's just all get along and love each other and in, in the name of tolerance. Don't talk about Bible doctrines. Don't talk about Bible truth. And that's why we say... This interfaithism movement, this world religious system is something that a true Christian who wants to make it to heaven absolutely cannot be a part of. Okay. And this is being established as we speak. And scripture is clear that this religious union will be led by a future pope. Whoever the pope is at the time of the Antichrist will fill the prophesied role of the false prophet. Now, by the midway point of that final seven-year period, that world government led by the world religion, this Revelation 13, 11 through 14, and chapters 17 and 18, it's going to be headed by the false prophet, and it's going to have control over the majority of the world's population. It's going to be, it's something that's, the, the world religion, world government, it's being established right now as we speak. We're watching these prophecies come to pass. Most of us walk around day by day blind to the prophecies being fulfilled right before us. Every news report brings a new piece to the puzzle in the race towards the final seven years and the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, more than ever, it is important for God's people to understand the times in which we are living. On November the 12th, 2013, 
We opened our Jerusalem Prophecy College in downtown Jerusalem. These same courses are now available online for people who are unable to attend the classes in person. We welcome students to join us and discover the link between current events and the prophecies of the Bible. Take your place in the prophecy of Daniel 11.33. Enroll in the Jerusalem Prophecy College today. Go to JerusalemProphecyCollege.com. Now, you understand that these are biblical prophecies that will come to pass. There's not one-tenth of one percent chance that they won't come to pass. Just like all of the so many prophecies that all the messianic prophecies and all the prophecies from the Messiah till now, every single one of them have come to pass in intricate detail. These prophecies, just the few that are left, will come to pass just like the Bible says they will. Um, when, the, when the final seven years begins, Revelation 11, 1 and 2 states that the Temple Mount in Jerusalem will be placed under a sharing arrangement and the Jews, but the sharing arrangement between the Jews and the Muslims. And you think, well, that's not possible now. That's what's going to happen in the near future. The Jewish people are going to be allowed to build a third temple on the Temple Mount. And when the temple is completed, animal sacrifices will be resumed, just as was done in the Old Testament. And once we reach the middle of the final seven-year period, prophetic fulfillments are going to rapidly increase with many events happening pretty much simultaneously. The first of these events is going to be um, the stopping of the sacrifices at the abomination of desolation. And that's when the Antichrist will stand in the third Jewish temple claiming to be God. And it should be mentioned that whoever is, again, at the Pope at the time of the abomination of desolation, he's going to assume the role as a false prophet. He's going to be the leader of the world religious system and will perform miracles before the people of the world. And through these miracles, he will influence the world to pledge its allegiance to the Antichrist. And simultaneous with the abomination of desolation, there's going to be a war in heaven. This is um, Daniel 12, 1 and Revelation 12, 7 through 10. Michael and his angels will defeat Satan and his angels and they'll be bound to the earth. And Revelation 12, 12 says, hey, rejoice in heaven, but woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil is come down unto you having great wrath because he knows that he hath but a short time. This is the beginning of the three and one half years of great tribulation when Satan will persecute Israel and the true church of Jesus Christ. Again, the great tribulation, that's not the wrath of God. The great tribulation is the wrath of Satan. The wrath of God is the vials of the wrath of God, Revelation chapter 16. So it's the same tribulation period that Jesus spoke of in Matthew 24, 15 through 21. Once the abomination of desolation occurs, Jesus warned the Jews living out in the West Bank to flee into the mountains. He said, for then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. Ever again, persecution. And in the midst of all this chaos, God's going to send his two witnesses. 
and he's, he, this is Revelation 11, and they're going to begin their ministries. And it's going to last the next 1,260 days, which is three and one half years during the Great Tribulation. So during the last half of this final seven years, again, many events will occur almost simultaneously. They'll be overlapping each other. And it's going to set the stage for the Battle of Armageddon and the second coming of Jesus Christ. Um, it's at this time that the Antichrist and the false prophet are going to fully implement the economic system, the economic sanctioning system known as the Mark of the Beast. And all the while, God's two witnesses will be prophesying, performing miracles, and smiting the earth with plagues. This is during the final three and one half years, just prior to the Battle of Armageddon, the second coming of Jesus Christ. So at the end of this seven-year period, two of the most recognizable prophecies in the Bible will take place. The The Battle of Armageddon and the second coming of Jesus Christ. People have talked about this for years, regardless of their prophetic viewpoints, pre-post-trib, all the different things. Daniel 2, Daniel 7, all the differences. Everybody knows that there's going to be a second coming and there's going to be a battle of Armageddon. And surrounding these two prophecies will be quite a number of significant events. All of these will be leading to the culmination of this age and the beginning of the 1,000 year millennial reign of Jesus Christ on the earth. And at the very end of the great tribulation, the seven vials or the, or, or plagues of the wrath of God will be poured out. This is revelation uh, 16 verses one down through 21. The first vial is poured out upon those who receive the mark of the beast during the great tribulation. When the sixth vial is poured out, the great river Euphrates is dried up to make way for the Kings of the East to make their way down towards Israel for the battle of Armageddon. Uh, once the sixth vial is poured out, Revelation sixteen fifteen gives a... Now, I'm going to go through this a little bit slower. Once the sixth vial, that means one, two, three, four, five, six has occurred. Once the sixth vial is poured out, Revelation sixteen fifteen gives a last minute warning to the inhabitants of the earth. Behold, I come as a thief. You say, well, hold on a minute. I thought, he beca- I thought he came as a thief seven years earlier, prior to the tribulation, some teach. But that's not what this scripture says. This scripture says, after the sixth vial of the wrath of God is poured out. You say, but we're not appointed under the wrath of God. I totally agree. We're not appointed under the wrath of God. But the great tribulation is not the wrath of God. And the vials of the wrath of God are not poured out globally on, on people all over the earth or people that are in church. If you're a Christian, you will not face any of the vials of the wrath of God. The first one is poured out upon those who receive the mark of the beast. No true Christian will ever take the mark of the beast. And then the in vials two through six and even the seventh one are poured out upon the armies that have federalized and come down against Israel to battle at the battle of Armageddon. But the church is still here through that. You understand? Because Revelation 6, or I'm sorry, 1615, the Bible says, Behold, I come as a thief. It's after the sixth vial. You can go read it. Blessed is he that watcheth, keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked, and they see his shame. This is when the rapture occurs. Now, 
you know, we can have all kinds of conversations about that. I didn't write this book. God did. And he moved on John and said, John, here's what I want you to write. After the first six, after the sixth vial of the wrath of God is poured out, then put in there, behold, I'm coming as a thief. Did you know that? Something to think about, isn't it? Well, in the very next verse, the Bible says, this would be verse 16, the prophecy ominously says, and he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. So at the Battle of Armageddon, the international armies of the United Nations will invade Israel from the north. The battle is going to be joined at the plain of Megiddo in, up in uh, northern Israel. Israel is going to fight valiantly against the world governing armies. But the Israeli defense forces, they're going to fall back. I mean, they're going to be fighting Russia, um, Turkey, Iran, and many other nations all at the same time. So they're going to be driven back slowly but surely before this superior firepower of this world governing body. The conflict is going to proceed with Israel retreating towards its capital, Jerusalem. And after days of exhausting battle, Israel's going to make her last stand right there at the walls of Jerusalem in between the Temple Mount and the Mount of Olives. And in spite of her heroic efforts by the Israeli soldiers, the Jewish people are going to find themselves facing defeat by the armies of the Antichrist. And it's at that time that the seventh and last trumpet will sound. Jesus Christ will return to the gather the elect from the earth. It's Matthew 24, 29 through 31. He's going to have the marriage supper of the Lamb. And, go, and we will go with his saints. And he will go with his saints to fight on behalf of Israel at the battle of Armageddon. Revelation 19 spells all this out very clearly. During the battle of Armageddon, the seventh vial is going to be poured out upon the earth. And that's going to result in great hailstones being rained upon the armies that have come down to fight against Israel at the battle of Armageddon. Whatever you do, make sure you make the rapture and you're not, or, or at least that you're not part of that army that comes down against Israel. Uh, you got to make the rapture. Let's just put it like that. <laughs> you don't even want to be here when that happens, but just make sure you're ready and, and you're born again and you're going to make the rapture. Um, and then Zechariah 14, 4 tells us that Jesus will come back at that time, place his feet on the Mount of Olives, just outside Jerusalem, and when he comes to the earth. And when that happens, there's going to be a huge earthquake that splits the Mount of Olives in two, and it kills 7,000 people in the city of Jerusalem. So when Jesus touches down on the Mount of Olives, all of Israel is going to rush out to meet him and they're going to bow before their Messiah. And, but they're going to notice the nail scars in his hands and his feet. And they're going to realize that he is Jesus and they're going to receive him as their Lord and their God. Uh, that's Zechariah 12, 10 and Zechariah 13, 6. And scripture tells us that at this time, all of Israel is going to be saved. Those that have made it through the Great Tribulation, those that have made it through the Battle of Armageddon. In Romans eleven twenty five and 26, the Bible says, all of Israel, when the times of the Gentiles has been fulfilled, all of Israel is going to be saved. So, of course, it's at that time that there's judgments. 
at the second coming of Jesus Christ, he's going to appear as a loving, merciful savior to those who have obeyed his word and allowed him to be the Lord of their lives. But to those who did not obey his word and receive him as Lord, he's going to return in vengeful flaming fire to execute judgment. I mean, true religion is God's method of saving the world. We've said that for years now. False religion is the most effective way of leading people away from the truth, right? You get somebody thinking they're saved when they're really not. And it's a way of affecting, effectively leading them away from the truth. And that's why God devotes two entire chapters of the book of Revelation, chapter 17 and 18. And he details the horrible judgments that God's will pour out upon the false prophet and his false religion. And, you know, the same earthquake that kills 7,000 in Jerusalem, it's going to completely destroy the city of Seven Hills, Rome. Uh, look up um, Revelation 16, 19 and Revelation 17, 9. And it's describing the destruction of Rome. Um, Revelation 18, 8. The Bible says, Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire. For strong is the Lord God who judgeth her. And it's also at the Battle of Armageddon when God will tear down world government, this world governing system of the Antichrist. And it's, this is the same socialistic, godless entity that will have implemented the mark of the beast, caused so many to turn from God towards a humanistic solution to solve the problems of this world. It's going to be the end of human government on the earth and the ushering in of the kingdom of God. Daniel 7, 9. Uh, Revelation chapter 11 at the seventh trumpet describes this event. So it's of utmost importance that we understand, folks, just like the Bible says is going to happen, the United States is going to stand with and protect Israel, regardless of who's in the White House. And all of these other prophecies will come to pass, just like the Bible says they will. And I'm looking forward to spending eternity with him. I want to go in the rapture. I want to be born again. I want to make myself ready. And many of you will get ready Sunday morning down in Houston, right? Join me for that conference at Christ Church. We'll be teaching on the Holy Ghost. It should be a great time. This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries, or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463, or visit us online at endtime.com.